Will Hardy and the Utah Jazz are zoning it up on their way to a two-game win streak plus massively improved guard play. We're talking about it next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Today on Locked on Jazz, we're going to talk about Will Hardy living and living, not dying yet, but living by the zone defense in both the last two wins by the Jazz. We'll also take a look at Colin Sexton and Taylor Horton Tucker, who have upped their games immensely. The one guy on our team who would tell me whether a GM is good or not. We'll touch on that. And then it's a Friday edition. Will points gained it uh, for you as well today. I have a few Ask LOJs that came in without my request. I'll try to get to those as well. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke. I'm the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, uh, Jazz NBA Insider. And this is Locked on Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Can you insight, expertise, and geeky numbers? And hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen. And thank you to all the everydayers out there who take advantage of the fact that we're free and available on all podcasting apps and on YouTube. All right, a little quieter today. Um, I have a tendency to sometimes forget I have a microphone. But anybody remember to- Fish- Fisher and Todd, Todd and Fisher? A great morning show for a long time. Uh, Scott Fisher used to always tell me I had to, should broadcast with my with an ear off and stop yelling. Um, and last night they told me I was one of the loudest announcers in the league. Um, so I'm a yeller, uh, but right now it is uh, 6.20 in the morning um, and Ron Boone is in the room next door to me. And I don't want to wake him up. And we have had tumultuous travel on this trip. Um, for those who have not heard, um, what makes last night's win pretty impressive is when we left Salt Lake for the Knicks game, uh, we got to the airport. Uh, I got on the plane. I sat down with Craig Bullerjack and, uh, Travis Henderson, who have been working incredibly hard on the jazz documentary that they're putting together, including we both sat down with John and Carl recently, each for a few hours. Uh, Quincy Lewis has been setting these up, and uh, Bowler had just finished a, a two-and-a-half, three-hour interview with, with the mailman, and he was just telling me about it. And then Travis, who's our Emmy Award-winning director and producer, was telling about his time in Spokane with John. It was just incredible. And all of a sudden, we both all looked at each other like, we've been doing this for a long time. And uh turned out that our 1035 flight which is probably a little bit of a rush. So call it 11 uh, out of Salt Lake to Portland was not going to leave till 2 a.m. We had a plane problem. They had to switch planes, get different pilots. It happens. Um, so that just delayed us a lot. So why there was no locked on jazz yesterday, because uh, by the time we got in at 4.20, got to bed a little bit before 4.50 um, to get everything done. Locked on jazz was the thing that fell off the list. Um, and this morning, um, last night, we had a, a minor delay again. Um leaving so we got in about 145 to our hotel room last night i think um so i don't want to wake anyone up uh with my yelling and screaming on an early morning edition uh of locked on jazz uh all right so that's why uh the jazz this is crazy so zone defense in the nba is like it's not a gimmick but it's like a change of pace and you do it for like a possession or two and then everyone gets out of it like, no one lives in the zone. Uh, Miami plays the most zone of anyone in the NBA. They play, like, 10. Uh, this year, they've played 11% of their possessions as zone. There are only 17 teams that have played more than 
2% of their possessions in zone. Um, the average team in the league is 2.2. There are um, like eight teams that are below 1.5% of their possessions in zone. Like some people just never, ever go to zone. Uh, the Jazz have now played zone because of the last two games, 9.5% of their possessions a, a season. They're the second most of any team in the NBA. But in the last two games, they haven't played a little zone. They've played the majority of the game in zone. They played the Knicks. They played 57 possessions in zone and 32 in man. And I believe, if I'm right, that's the most possessions any one team has played in any one game all year long in the Knicks game. And the Jazz did, and then take the next aspect of this that makes it even crazier, is that the Jazz did like every different type of zone. They played flat out box and one deny to Jalen Brunson. They played a one, two, two. They, I mean, they linked in like switch, take a young team, make them play zone, which is a little complicated in the NBA, and then make them switch everything, which is um, even more difficult. Um, and Or switch defenses time in and time out, which is even more difficult. One of the things that's interesting about the zone in the NBA, and one of the reasons why it struggled, is it's allowed a, a huge amount of corner threes. Um, and you know, your number one rule is to drop, to deny the rim, and the others to deny the corner three. And I was, I've talked to Will about this, in which um, he was like, "We're working on a zone where we're going to try to take away the corner three if we can," which gets you know really, really interesting. If you can suddenly do that, and particularly late in games, the one thing that is really interesting is late game zone has been really good across the league, and um, and but has given up a ton of corner threes. Well, last night the Jazz went and flipped around and went from playing 57 possessions as zone to 72 of their possessions as zone. So from 57 against the Knicks and 32 man to 72 and 28 man or more possessions, half court possessions in this game. Um, so they played se- they played really 72% of the game in zone out of 100 possessions, it looks like. And it was equally distributed. It wasn't like they just sat in. Against the Knicks, they played 14 in the first quarter, 11 in the second, 20 in the third, 12 in the fourth. Against Portland, they played 19 in the first, 17 in the second, 20 in the third, and 16 in the fourth. What's so interesting is the other thing that's true across the league, and which is why people don't play a lot of zone, is that the man's better, defense is better than the zone. So across the league, if you play man defense, your, your zone defense, uh, everyone's man's defense is better than zone. The average defense against the zone, if you just take the kind of um, league leaders, and this is it's kind of got a wide spray, but you take the median team, Miami's like the median team at 1.03 against the zone and the mean team in the half court against a man is better than that. The half court uh, man defense at 15th in the league is a 0.98. So it's about 0.05 points per possession better the average team uh, man versus zone. The Jazz, on the other hand, are the only team I could find in the NBA whose zone defense is actually better than their man defense. So does that mean we have an outlier and teams prepare for it? And we'll see. But coming in after last night, the Jazz zone defense averages 0.96 points allowed 
and their man defense allows 1.05, nearly a point of possession difference between the Jazz man and the Jazz zone. And the Jazz zone, the last two games, has been amazing. Against the Knicks, they averaged 0.825 points per possession. And against the Blazers, it was 0.85 points per possession. So Jazz zone defense, not only have they lived in it, but it's been absolutely remarkable. So kind of stunning the amount and the success that the Jazz have had against the zone defense in both the, with the zone defense in both of the last two games. Um, really incredible. And and maybe what's most stunning about it is the variation that they've played with. How many how many different styles of zone? They went boxing one on Malcolm Brogdon. They went boxing one on Shaden Sharp. They went boxing one on Anthony Simons. They then played a one-two-two. They played a two-three. They, they, they've bounced around a variation of this. So the two questions that have to come, is there any reason why this is working for Utah in a way that it's not working for everyone else? And then the second question is like, is it as crazily unique as we're saying? And three is, is it sustainable? So first is, I do think from a personnel standpoint, there might be some guys here that actually play like a zone better. Kelly Olenek's a pretty bad defense player. Like if you look at the data on Kelly Olenek, it's not great. Like, when you suddenly break down how Kelly, um, you know, some of the some of the defensive numbers on isolation defense, Kelly's like a 1.09, um, which is pretty poor. Um, and you look at our pick and roll numbers, and, t- and all of our pick and roll numbers are just dis- disastrously bad. We're 30th in the league in pick and roll defense for whatever reason. Um, so, yes, in that sense, if we're suddenly kind of, playing it with a system that maybe you take a guy like Taylor Horton Tucker, who's got a seven foot wingspan, suddenly put him on the ed- wing end of a zone and he's able to kind of reach in and make plays and do things that he wasn't able to do. Otherwise last night, Taylor had four steals um, in the Portland game. And my memory is he had a few in the Knicks game as well. I'm going to guess those are coming out of the zone. Um, he did not actually have any much just deflections um, and, and able to do that. Simone, is actually just a pretty good defensive player, but he's really a smart player. You can you can watch Simone and really tell this guy's been a pro for a long time, both on the offensive and defensive end. He moves where he's supposed to. Kelly, um, as I mentioned, is not a particularly good statistical defensive player, but he sees the game well. He moves well. He's taking up space. Taylor Hendricks, who doesn't know how to defend yet, is suddenly long and athletic and able to use his defense in in such a manner. Um, and and you know, Colin suddenly instead of having to try to play one-on-one on a man is, is really been the guy who's been playing the one in the box and one. So there is a personnel aspect that maybe there's some things the jazz are doing from a personnel standpoint where this does work um, really well. Um, I do think the variation has un kind of unnerved both the two teams. Um, and we'll see what happens when teams suddenly have to prepare for it. Um, you're going to make teams prepare very differently than they're used to preparing. If they have to you know, suddenly practice a zone and work against a zone in the day before. Um, and then, the other one is I would just say, like, the numbers are stunning. Like, to have a team play 57 and 72 possessions in zone, it's just, it's just a, like, it doesn't happen in this league. To have a team go um, all have 15 possessions um, in each quarter in which they, um, which they play zone, you, you don't, you don't really see um like they did last night so i think you know in those senses it is really crazy on the other end ron and i watched oklahoma city versus sacramento last night on the plane and demata sabonis is basically playing a one-man zone 
the whole game. He's not. He's just not guarding, and he's signaling to everybody the whole time of of who he's going to go get and things of that nature. So in that sense, I'm not sure. I think it's the it's that crazy um, because frankly, there's a variation of this going on that everyone's goal right now is to leave their big at the basket, um, and that's and that's and and so in that sense, I think you know Will's taking it to a pure zone. Other people are doing it in a different version. Um, the last thing I wanted to jump on was just, you know, what's happened in the corner three. So we allowed Portland to have 11 corner threes, which is a little high. Like, that's big variation. In the first quarter, they got four. Um, in the second quarter, they got two. In the third quarter, they got three. They missed all of them. In the fourth quarter, when things got a little loose, they got another two. So that's, you know, let's keep an eye on it. 11 out of 11% of your shots from the corner threes is probably too many. Um, it's it, from just a defensive structure. And, and maybe, you know, maybe that's where you have to sacrifice in the zone is that you decide you're willing to give that up. Uh, I, I'm a little hesitant on that. I think, you know, if you can protect the rim, protect the corner three, I'm, I'm a huge, I guess I'm a very, very big believer in shot distribution defense. Like over time, that's, you just force people into the shots that um, are best. Um, they allowed the Knicks 10 corner threes in the previous night. So, um, you know, both these teams then shot really poorly on above the break threes. Knicks went 5 of 29 on above the break threes, which is fine. Um, but if you only allowed the Knicks, the Knicks only got 16 shots at the rim. And they got, um, it looks like they got 10 corner threes. Like that's going to turn out to be a pretty good shot distribution day. Um, and that's really what, you know, you're trying to find overall. So, but the corner threes are usually pretty representative of of whether your defense is doing what it wants to. And last night, I mentioned you gave up 12 corner threes, um, and then the rim. There was just kind of an onslaught at the rim by both sides last night. They ended up with 36 shots at the rim. We ended up with 38. So, uh, shot distribution last night was not good. We may have benefited by playing the 30th ranked half court offense in the NBA uh, a little bit last night in this. All right. Uh, pretty impressive, pretty exciting. Uh, we'll talk about, we'll continue to talk about it and look at uh, more uh, and talk about Colin Sexton and Taylor Horton Tucker and the way they've been playing recently. So we're just getting started here on Locked on Jazz on a Friday edition of the show. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Hyundai lineup of cars, absolutely fabulous uh, with just, you know, super, super uh, high quality. And, you know, as I've said, I did, you know, it's up to you of what car you like and want to look at. I, I went and did the research, you know, many years back when we started research, working for Hyundai and doing the Murdochs, what, seven, eight years. And, and in turn, we bought two Santa Fe's and we bought an Ionic. And I, like, I, I don't, Blake treats me really well, but frankly, it's not like I'm going to do a bunch of shop, price shopping at that point. Um, it's just the right car. It's the safe, got the best safety features for the right price range. Um, and I think they look great. And so we've been super pleased with all three Hyundais that we've bought so far uh, from Murdoch. It's the no regrets experience that they want to give you and make sure you have over at Murdoch Hyundai. So stop by, visit 4646 South State Street, Logan or Linden, or feel free to email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. And we'll give you that VIP experience over at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by, ironically enough, Dave, who which is a name I don't really like, but that's their company and they choose it i prefer david but at one time or another we've all need a little financial help and that's why dave is great dave can get you cash when you need a hand between paychecks and can help you build credit by setting up extra cash advances on time dave would have been so useful 
uh, at various times in all of our lives. And now, thankfully, Dave is here with the extra cash help. Dave is the banking app that's leveling that financial playing field. When you download Dave, you can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of the Dave Extra Cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest and then settle up later. Extra Cash gives you more to buy groceries, fill a tank, whatever bind you might be in it there to help you download dave today at dave.com slash locked on nba that's dave.com slash locked on nba and you get up to five hundred dollars in five minutes or less no credit no late fees no credit check no late fees download the dave app now dave.com slash locked on nba for terms and conditions go to dave.com slash legal eligibility criteria instant transfer fees applied banking services provided by evolve member fdic Thanks so much for making Lockdown Jazz your first listen of the day. Well, so much of the season has been about. Sorry, I got to take a quick drink. So much of the season has been about, frankly, the the underwhelming guard play that the Jazz have had, and in the last two games with Keontae going out four minutes in, Colin Sexton, Taylor Horton Tucker have been just great. Uh, Colin got fifty, or Colin and Taylor last night combined for fifty points. Colin is just this incredible bundle of energy, one of the best drivers in the game. We've talked about it a good deal, and Will has really figured out how to play him predominantly off the ball and allow him to just just go play. And he is truly one of the great scorers in this game. Like, there are just not a lot of guys who have a first step like him. He plays under control. He is terrific. He has a tendency to get, like, overzealously, like, just kind of wound up to such a high level that it just kind of, it gets away from him. Um, and he has generally controlled that other than when he guarded Jalen uh, Brunson to the popcorn machine the other night, which was a, certainly the most Colin Sexton experience ever when Colin played box and one and literally guarded Jalen Brunson all the way down the hallway um, off the court, which is illegal. Um, so super impressive performances from Colin. The energy level is amazing. Um, he just brings that. The zone defense has allowed him defensively to do kind of all the strengths. And then the offensively, he has just been terrific. He's just getting into the paint, attacking the rim, breaking the defense, uh, avoiding throwing the ball all over the place. The less decisions he has to make and the more he can play with just that unabashed, un kind of wavering energy is when he's at his best. Taylor's been really interesting. Taylor is got two areas of his game where he has to improve offensive three one is rim finishing two is not getting in the lane and getting caught for the turnovers and four is his catch and shoot three-point shooting um i do personally think like the fact that he's become the brunt of jokes of most jazz play uh fans and frustration this year i think is a little unfair um in fact i think it's a lot unfair i think it's kind of gotten way out of control um first of all last as of last night it'll probably have changed because he went over six from three but He's taken his catch-and-shoot three-point shooting from 30% to 40% before the other night. I'll have to check the latest update. But there's been massive improvement um, in that in just his pure catch-and-shoot three-point game, um, and which, you know, that's a tribute to the effort and work he's putting in in areas that he's been changed. His off-the-bounce three is not good. His shot selection sometimes is leaves a little bit to be desired um, on those, but that's also like you're, someone's got to play off-the-bounce three game on this roster and he's kind of been forced to do it. And it's not really what he does. Well, his off his catch and shoot three game after last night slips to 36%. Okay. Well, that's like, that's actually pretty good. Um, it's not 
like brilliant, but it's pretty good. I mean, it's a lot better than Jordan's 32%, frankly, or Keontae's 29%. Um, it's, you know, Ochai's catch and shoot game is 38%. He, no one's like there's so really Talon's gotten much, much, much better at that. The other one that's super interesting in what is going on with Talon is his, he is changing his footwork on his drives to the basket. And while at times there are still, and I love how Will Hardy said it this year, very loud plays that kind of look absurd and out of control. He is also beginning to really do a good job of kind of controlling his body, coming in the lane, finding his spots. That little corkscrew layup seems to be something he's very comfortable with, and it's improving his rim finishing um, a decent amount. And that's an area where he really needed to improve. Um, and, and as he begins to do those things, it's, you know, this is a game changer for him. He, he went from making 62% of his shots at the rim to making 69% of the rim at the rim this year. That's some of that's just shot selection. He's, he's taking a few less, but he's, you know what, that, that matters. Like he's beginning to understand when is the right time and when's not. So we are seeing really great growth out of both of those, um, two guards. And as they got some, you know, as they got some extended minutes, and comfort on the floor, they they really played very very well the last two nights, um, pushing the tempo, attacking the basket. Both the last two nights, there was a period where the team other teams just sucked onto three point shooters, and Thielen read it perfectly and just drove and drove and drove. And that's that's where he's at his best. When he gets into a crowd, he's probably not at his best, um, but he's really just driven the basketball um, aggressively and gotten to the rim in in those two circumstances and. and and so is Colin. Colin's been Colin's a bona fide scorer off the floor. He, he's or off the bench, and he started the last two games and been really good. And he just plays with an unrelenting energy, um, and it's got to be contagious when the one guy on your roster is playing that hard. Now sometimes he's all over the map, um, but he's really doing well. Um, you know, back to the zone defense. We certainly saw a walk, incredible Walker Kessler line last night. Ten points, ten rebounds, seven block shots, and four assists on five of six shooting. And then Simone, who's had the burden of kind of being the number one option whenever Lowry's not playing, um, last night was seven of eight from the field, five of five from three with 24 points. And this is really now becoming an extended stretch for Simone as a starter. Um, I think he's up to 11 or 12 straight games as a starter. And Tech is just playing great. And and I made this comment in a postcast the other night. I, I don't think I'll ever find out, but I, I would love to know from Justin Zanuck, like, who the first GM is that called about him. Because Tech on a good team would be just terrific. I mean, 10th game as a starter, by the way. Um, he He understands the floor so well. He gets himself so open. He's a really good defensive player. He plays so hard. But if you put him on a team with a superstar who's bending the defense and he's able to react off that possession after possession, I, I think he could I think he could be really, really good. Um, and I, I do think it's going to be interesting to see whether he stays in the starting lineup. He's just doing enough things, shooting the basketball, um, getting more and more comfortable. He's had three straight games in double figures, uh, 19, 15, and 24 in his last three outings. Um, he's obviously shooting it great right now. He's 11 of his last 22, 21 from three. So that'll definitely skew your numbers. He's also, you know, doesn't get the free throw line much, but he doesn't miss when he gets there. He's missed one free throw as a starter. He's a pretty good rebounder. Um, he's willingly moves the basketball. I mean, there's a lot to like about this guy. He is really, really 
um, playing well. I'm not suggesting we trade him. I just would like to know who the first GM is who who called about him because it would tell me um, that they know something and that they scout. Um, 13 points, four rebounds, two assists. He's averaging 44% from the field and 39% from three now as a starter in 10 starts. Uh, that's that's outstanding work. And that 39% from three is on seven attempts a game. So that's, you know, that's having a bona fide impact in 28 minutes a night. Um, and if he were to be playing off of, you know, a Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen type role on various teams, um, I think he could be really really terrific even uh, like think of jordan hawkins in new orleans um if they suddenly upgraded to simone uh that would be a that would be real for them um so he's really playing well i'm 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 wildly impressed uh with everything i'm seeing out of simone uh so two really good fun wins uh for the utah jazz all right points gained friday edition uh coming up as we continue here on locked on jazz thanks so much for making locked on jazz your first listen locked on podcast network is your team every day looking for a little bit more fun and excitement over the weekend so what about prize picks prizepicks.com slash locked on nba get your first deposit match up to 100 dollars. prize picks is the number one daily fantasy game in north america you pick the players you pick the category and you decide to see whether or not they're going to get more or less than the number that is set out there for you. Um, you're not going up against sharks. You're not going up against other people. You're playing against yourself and you can mix and match basketball and football in the brand in the, uh, their new setup for you as well in the specials league. So that makes it even more fun. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code locked on NBA for your first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy and a great deal of fun uh, for you and a fun, simple thing. LeBron going up at it, various games tonight. Go find the player, Victor Webinyama. Go and pick whether you think he's going to get more or less than whatever they have as the projected stats, and the winnings start to roll in. The number one daily fantasy sports platform in North America that made it easy for you to play. It's over at our friends over at PrizePix. Go to prizepix.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code locked on NBA for your first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Thank you very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We'll send you at the end of this on YouTube to the Locked On Sports Today national sports feed. And for those of you uh, that have not ch- chimed in on that, it's also now available on Amazon Fire TV. Search Locked On Sports Today uh, for that. There also should be some other Locked On shows video on demand over at Amazon as well. All right. Uh, for those who are new to Locked on Jazz, thank you very much for tuning in to our daily podcast on the Jazz. Uh, every other Friday, I like to do points gained. Um, points gained is my offensive metric that looks at players and how they do in their scoring opportunities every night compared to a league average player and how many points they put their team ahead compared to league average player. Each year, there's kind of about three players that are over three or four players that are over three. It's kind of increasing a little bit. And then about 10 players that are over two per game. Um, and anything over one is, is really good. And so, for example, the number one player, offensive player in the NBA right now is Giannis at four points gained in 24 scoring opportunities a night. He is scoring four more points than average players would score. Average offensive players would score with that, um, with those four points, or excuse me, with those 24 scoring opportunities. So he's at 4.0. Number two in the league is Steph Curry at 3.7. 
Tyrese Halliburton is using 19 scoring opportunities a game, and he scores 3.4 points above league average. So this credits your efficiency and your ability to use possessions. Um, Joel Embiid is fourth. Kevin Durant is fifth. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is sixth. Jalen Smith in Indiana, what a pickup. Phoenix just gave up on him, and Indiana's prospered, is uh, seventh. Trey Murphy in New Orleans hasn't played much, but it's definitely been a boon for them. Eight. LeBron is nine, which is mind-boggling at his age. Devin is 10. Chris Depps, Przingis, 11. They're all over two, which is now we're into a lot of guys, and Chris Depps having a monster year for Boston. Jared Allen at 2.1. Jalen Johnson at 2.0. It's interesting. Since he's uh, been injured, I don't think Atlanta's won a game. Mo Wagner giving a lot off the bench for Orlando. Lowry Markinen is at 2.0. And then Obi Toppum in Indiana. Speaking of Obi Toppum, the Jazz have kind of instituted a play straight out of Indiana's playbook where um, Tyrese Halliburton drives the left side and Obi Toppum slices the baseline and they lob it up to him. It's super hard to guard. And we're seeing the Jazz have got it um, to Walker Kessler in each of the last few nights. So that would be a nice addition if that kind of can continue to happen. Our guards can read that from the angle. Uh, the players that are having the largest negative impact in the league, um, and we saw one of them last night, uh, Scoot Henderson is minus 3.7. He he seemed disturbingly off. Josh Giddy minus 2.6. Jordan Clarkson minus 2.6. Um, so Jordan is the second tied for the second most negatively impactful offensive player in the NBA right now. Andrew Wiggins minus 2.5 just got taken out of the starting lineup. Uh, in Golden State, Cade Cunningham minus 2.5. That's getting to be a little longer than you'd like if you're a Pistons fan. You've kind of given him a pass because he was a young player, but 42% from the field and 32% from three is not great um, at all right now. Um, Wendell Carter, who has not played much this year. Um, then Gabe Vincent in L.A. I don't think he's played a great deal due to injuries either, but 28 minutes a night. Um, and let's see... Uh, Nikola Vucevic, minus 2.3. Jordan Poole, minus 2.2. Karis LeVert, minus 2.1. Victor Webanyama, minus 2. Not that surprising. Um, rookies usually do not are not particularly good. Let's take a look at the Utah Jazz um, overall and see where they are in their points gained. Uh, sometimes we do last 10 games, which would split the season in half at this point. So I did not do that tonight, but we'll do that or today. Uh, Lowry's a plus 2.0. Kelly's a plus 1.3. Like Kelly on the floor just helps. I mean, I think what's partially like Kelly getting more minutes, who's more efficient, really helps us. Um, Simone is a point one, which is good, really good for a small forward. Collins a point one, um, so it's interesting, right? Like Jordan Clarkson's a minus two point six, and Collins a point one, and they've basically traded minutes here recently. That is a huge positive impact statistically on who we are. Uh, you know, this is what I've always tried to kind of talk about in regards to this: is that the impact of a negative offensive player is really, really significant, and. Um, and to the point of that is like, okay, so Jordan Clarkson's a minus 2.6. That is the same impact that Le more, more negative impact than LeBron's having positive impact on a game offensively. That's more negative impact than Devin Booker's having positive impact. That's more negative impact than Chris Porzingis is having positive impact. This is, so if you put those two together, like it's still that would be a negative point three. You'd still be below average. Like I just don't think we we talk enough in this league about the negative offensive players and what an impact they have. And frankly, you know, we kind of are going into this year knowing Keontae's going to be one of those negative offensive players. So, you know, when Keontae's a negative one point seven and Jordan's a negative two point six, and that's in your starting lineup, like forget about it. 
like it's crazy, diff- almost impossible to overcome that because there's not like we don't we have Lowry at plus two, but that's it. So, you know, when you suddenly take Jordan's minus two point six off the floor, and frankly, you play take Keontae's minus one point seven, and now only Talon is really your only heavily negative player that's playing. Wow, we look a lot better. Like this is really kind of what I've preached all year in the negative in, or all my career on this and preached. I mean, in a negative sense, because um, I won't shut up about it. Uh, so Lowry's a 2.0. Kelly's a 1.3. Fontecchio's a 0.1. Collins a 0.1. Omer Yerkshaven's even. John Collins is a minus 0.1. Walker Kessler's rising up. He's a minus 0.2. Ochai's a minus 0.3. This is, that's just not that bad. Like right in there on even. It's fine. Chris Dunn's a minus 0.3. Uh, Taylor Hendricks is a minus 1. Taylor Horton Tucker's a minus 1.7. And Keontae George is a minus 1.7. And then, as we mentioned, Jordan's a minus 2.6. The, the concept of how you win a title is you get a roster in which your bench players are all even, then your stars are fine, then the possessions which move off of your bench players, then you're, you're not getting negative impact. The The Suns are, are close to it, except for the Bradley Beal's been negative to start the year, and then Yusuf Nurkic is a negative 0.8, which is super bad for a center. Um, and they're still kind of playing around with uh, Watanabe and Bates Diop, who are both negative, and Jordan Goodwin's getting a lot of time, who's negative. So as the season goes on and they're able to get healthier and reduce down, I think they're awfully close. Denver had it last year, but now Denver, with their bench, doesn't have, you know, their lack of bench does not have that at all. Um, we'll be interested to see what they do in the playoffs, but right now, you know, and Aaron Gordon's just not having nearly as good a year. The bench guys on Denver are actually holding it together a little bit better. And the other one who's not having is the anywhere near the year he had a year ago is Nikola Jokic. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed points gained. We will look at more of that as the weeks go on. Thank you for being a part of the show and being a part of the everydayers. It is Jazz and Sacramento on Saturday. I I, I, I will say this, watching the game the other night, Sacramento or Oklahoma City, um, I don't know if you have enough time to get set up in the zone against the Sacramento Kings and the way that they push the ball up the floor. It's it's really something else, how fast they get into action. And I don't know that the Jazz will be able to get that zone going. Thank you very much for tuning in today. We'll send you right now over the first on YouTube on the first ever national 24-7 sports stream called Locked on Sports Today.